0: I won't just remember the joke that I haven't done in four years. I'll remember the tag that I did just one time because it got a laugh. And the laughs that chemical that was released in my head when people laugh at me, especially a new joke, it like cements it
1: in my head. Hi, and welcome to Dad Annual. My name is Mike Trank. And as you can figure, I'm a dad. I feel that's how a lot of other podcasts start and those dads will tell you what their day is like. They'll probably talk about what it's like being a dad today too. But along with being a dad by day, I'm also a mental health counselor by night in my own private practice. As a clinician in private practice and one of those dads sitting in pickup and drop-off lines for school, I wanted to share what I see in this ever-changing world. So together, let's create the best version of being a millennial dad. first wanted to uh, thank everyone that has started subscribing and listening um i'll tell you one of the craziest things is seeing on the transistor page of who's listened and where you can see states and stuff but what blows my mind is the countries i see that people in the countries of uh, georgia one in greece and japan australia new zealand has a few um, that just kind of blows me away That people from all over the world, not just America, are listening to the show and uh, appreciating it and uh, subscribing to it and reaching out on social media. Facebook is Dad uh LinkedIn, Twitter, Deadennial as well. You can go to the Deadennial website. Um, you know, Please feel free to leave me feedback of what you think of the shows. Who might be a guest? Or if you want to come on the show, um, I'm always open to ideas and suggestions. This is an open form, open idea that I've I've had about helping dads. And if you feel you have some ideas or thoughts of how to do that or how to give support to dads, please feel free to drop a message. Tonight is a very special guest. This is not a friend. This is not someone that I've ever had a conversation with before. This is someone that I actually found online through Facebook uh, and YouTube and some of his clips. It's a new comedian. New comedian to me, Sam Miller. He is um, touring all over the Northwest, will be in the South and the Northeast, I saw in the fall. SamMillerComedy.com. Um, check him out on his website. Check him out on his Facebook and Twitter and YouTube channels. Um, he is not just a great stand up comedian that I found absolutely hilarious, he is a great story of recovery and of substance use. And there's someone that has been homeless and been incarcerated and coming back from that and funnier than ever. And how he's moving forward now with 15 years sober has uh, a wife and two kids and how he treasures them and how he tries to find that balance of being on the road of a comedian and being home. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my very special guest tonight, Sam Miller. Thank you.
0: I've done a lot better than my dad did, but it really wasn't that hard. As long as I don't like terrify them, then they're, then I'm already killing it, you know? <laughs> so my biggest success as a, as a 40 year old sitting here is not the comedy success I've had. I would say that my biggest success is that I am a, I am a decent father, you know, I'm a decent father. So
1: now there's, there's truth in the fact of. And I've been asked it many times as a therapist, and even in my own family, of what what makes a good parent, what makes a good dad. And the one thing I always heard through different therapists, the old wise ones, of you know, eighty to ninety percent of it is just giving a damn. Yeah. If you, give, if you give a damn, they'll know, and you'll know you're trying. And yep, yeah, you're gonna mess up many times a day. I probably messed up about four times today, but they still love me i believe and i messed up last night on the 4th of july because <laughs> my kids were
0: um i was worried that my kid was gonna like i can't remember what it was oh yeah they were playing a national anthem and i don't really care if my kids display patriotism or not that's kind of up to them it's kind of weird that we force it i think mm-hmm. but um they were playing the national anthem but you couldn't hear it that well but it was definitely happening at this fireworks thing and my kids were like screaming and yelling. And I went and I grabbed my son's leg and one of my sons has really long hair. And when I grabbed his leg, I actually got a piece of his hair. And I was like, Oliver, you gotta be quiet. They're playing the national anthem. You know, and he was upset because I pulled his hair a little bit, but it was an accident. He knew that, so. I haven't yelled at my kids in a very long time and I'm really proud of that too. Like I've yelled before and I, I
1: try not to do that, you know. And I've never put my hands on them. Which is good. <laughs> that's a that's a dad mug there. That's a number one dad mug deserved right there. That's
0: yeah. No, but I did a show not that long ago. I have a joke where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I never hit my kids, but I, sometimes I squeeze their arms too hard, <laughs> <laughs> and I did that at this Department of Commerce show, and <laughs> they did not like it. It was like in a corporate gig, and
1: <laughs> they shut
0: down. Yeah.
1: No, there's there's truth in that. I think about it, and this is the therapist side of you, you broke the cycle, right? Of by not yelling about being aware of that and, and not hitting them that you've broken the cycle in the sense of when your kids are older and if they have a family or not, you know, if they have kids of their own someday, that won't be one of those things in those minds, right? For maybe you yeah. and for me, of it's in our mind because that's what we saw. It's what we know. But yeah. when you don't know that, when that is, not even on the table of like something that is a possibility, then that changes, you know, that's, that's where the yeah cycle stops. You know, the yelling, it's strange. Cause like
0: when my dad would yell, that was the beginning, you know, when with me, the yelling was the end of like whatever dispute, like I, I'm not, you know, right. I, I hated, I think one of the reasons I hated being yelled at, is a lot of times it meant I was going to get my ass kicked, you know.
1: So yeah, uh, that built that correlation, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I got a therapist
1: for that. I taught I met with my therapist yesterday. So that's awesome. I'm not putting that on you, Mike. So no, that's what the show's for—is uh, open up and talk and uh, talking to a dad and a therapist. It's a it's a it's a weird weird thing. I feel like there's there's not not many of us that I've, that I've found. I do. I'm I'm oddly looking forward to see if uh, so. And shout out to to DadCon. There's a DadCon going on in September in Milwaukee, and I'm going to be one of the speakers. Oh, that's fantastic! At DadCon, so it's this Home Dad Network. So I, I'm going to get to see if you like of just dads. I feel like it's when you're in your own little suburban community, you don't really know or see too many that you know probably do like you being with the kids during the day, or you know just kind of having those stories to share. Of you know, it's going to be
0: yeah, it'd be you interesting. Know. Stand-up comedy slows down in the summer, and um, so right now I really am wearing two hats. When the kids are at school, like most, like a lot of the days are kind of like to myself. Like I usually spend at least three or four hours a day doing social media or booking. Um, But when the kids are at school, man, like I put my kids on the bus, I get in my car, I ride downtown, and I sit in front of a coffee shop and drink coffee and like just kind of just kind of waste time for a couple hours, you know, and that's not happening right now. And it
1: bums me out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, the people watching alone, I mean, you yeah, just, know, just, yeah, the yeah. local, the local coffee shop is a uh, inspiration yeah. for, for some, uh, for some jokes. Yeah, I gotta, well, I gotta, I gotta go ahead.
0: I was going to say it's important to me too, to have like some time that's not devoted. You know, that's yeah. the thing I'm working with my therapist right now is that um, I never thought I'd have the issue where I try to work too much. But that indeed is where comedy has taken me right now. So,
1: Bon, you know, just a random kind of thought for myself is comedy is a drug itself, right? It gives you that Russian high that yeah. you can't get anywhere else. I mean, even if you're planning like, you know, grandma's basement, you still uh, still get that rush. It's been uh, close to 11, 11 years since I played my last show. I'll never forget it. It was actually fantastic in uh in boston at the uh the old hong kong behind uh fenway park which boston was known for having great comedians for many years and it's kind of taken a dip but gone back up lately but um but i'll never forget you now that I was i knew it was like my last show of i was going to go into therapy and we go back to school full time and just kind of go in a different life and i uh i always enjoyed it and uh yeah i mean someday maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe i'll tell jokes again <laughs> You know what's strange, man? Is it? I feel like sometimes
0: the people that walk away, there are people that walk away from comedy, and I wish they hadn't. There's sure. people that stick with it, and I wish they'd stop. Um, sure. I don't. This lifestyle, um, this way of life, this identity, is not for everybody. Um, I think people see comedy; they see it on social media; they see it on netflix they you know they they remember it from when they were younger and all they see is like the on stage part and they assume there's work they hear there's work but i don't think people realize just to get to where i've gotten in comedy even though like my biggest credit is bob and tom and bob and tom's a big deal i was really that's happy a huge deal
1: there. for comedians yeah that's uh that's yeah. kind of passing through if you got the torch kind of thing if you're you're next up kind of but even to get
0: to where I'm at, like the amount of work that it took and the sacrifices that not just me, but my family made, kids included. And and it's not, as some of it's like not measurable. Like maybe maybe I do a show in Portland and then I hit a mic on the way back, you know, and it puts me out like another 40 minutes or something. You know, like even that, like all that stuff adds up, you know, I'm more tired in the mornings. Um, I've lost some friendships for sure.
1: You know? Yeah. It's a different, it's a different animal in terms of, yeah, just who you're around, you know, the night creatures, it's, it's a different lifestyle than, than the daytime, for sure. And uh, yeah. it's that work too, right? Of you, you you see the end product at Netflix or Comedy Central or whatever, you watch YouTube, and uh, you don't realize how long it takes just to even get your solid five, right? In the stand business of businesses. Yeah. To have your, you know, Give us your five. Now that's you know yeah. that takes a long time just to get that honed in. Of wherever I go, whatever I do, I can give you five. And that alone. But then to create twenty minutes to be in the middle and to be a headliner of fifty minutes is is a lot. Yeah, it's gotten that. a lot,
0: man. I can't believe that I'm at this point in my comedy career. Like I am, I'm very confident doing an hour of comedy anywhere. Um, that's awesome. And it's been a, you
1: know. I never really had a
0: plan, like you said. This is a drug,
1: but to be on stage, yeah, the on stage, the kind of feedback—it's just—and you leave with such euphoria, of you're floating on cloud line, If you're cloud line, cloud nine, if you're a
0: <laughs> cloud line is a good one.
1: Cloud line is sure. definitely a comedic. Uh, you know, that's that's how you. Yeah. At, kinda, at yeah. The after party, usually for for <laughs> for comedy, especially in Tampa. Boy, that was that was a ride. I can't even imagine. I've been clean and sober for
0: um, fifteen years and awesome. uh, 15 years in June and it's a big part of not just who I am but it's a big part of my comedy like yeah. my routine, and also a big part of my future because eventually my goal is to primarily do comedy for other people um, in recovery like that's like my favorite thing to do you know because regular people get tired of meth jokes yeah. and I don't I think
1: I mean, all jokes should be meth jokes yeah I mean that's a solid five right there so. yeah 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 what do you feel is you know for yourself with that history, you know is that the most difficult thing to kind of manage your way through? You were talking about your family and your kids. that's obviously a big part of it, but that lifestyle that being a comedian at night, it is fueled with users and people around that yeah, contempt you. that's that's got to be very difficult too to stay where you want to be.
0: Yeah, I'm really lucky. I've never had like a lot of cravings associated. I was a bouncer before I started doing comedy. I was a bouncer when I was in recovery. Um, I've had people like
1: hold up bags of cocaine in front of me, guys that I used to get high with. I've, uh,
0: you know, I've had the same thing in comedy, man. I've been around like, you know, coke, weed, um, weed everywhere. Um, alcohol, I don't think there's as much alcohol use as there used to be in standup. I think people have kind of gotten hip to the fact that, like, if they get a you know, reputation as a drunk, it's going to hurt them. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my issue is keeping that balance between. Um, I've let comedy kind of take me away from my recovery community before. You know, um, that that's happened. Um, I've kind of I kind of started doing this thing where it's like. If I'm not actively driving to a show or performing comedy or promoting comedy, I need to be like making making it up to my family for how much I'm doing those things. And so that's what it was, is everything was like this um, give and take, you know, where like like if I spend five units of time towards comedy, I need to make sure my wife gets five units of time where she doesn't have the kids, you know? and. What I forgot to do was those other units where I'm taking care of, like, taking care of how any of this is possible, and that's me being in recovery, you know? So that was that was rough. I had that for a while. I think I'm getting better at it. Um, I think my communication with my wife is, like, vital. And um, also the fact that, like, I make decent money doing comedy now, which blows me away. Um, I wasn't expecting that to happen.
1: (laughs) So that's great. Yeah. That definitely shows that you're on the rise.
0: Upwards of one (laughs) hundred dollars.
1: Isn't isn't the joke of like right you only work one hour, it's that's the other uh, seven hours that need to need to fill in there. That's one of the tough tough things. There's a
0: guy you should reach out, there's a comic named Gabe Mm Rutledge and he had this thing. So like Spokane is about seven hours, well, not seven hours, it's like six hours from us, five hours, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's far away. And if I told like a brand new comedian, I'm like, hey, listen, man, there is 20 bucks in a paper bag there in Spokane. All you gotta do is go out there and get it. You'd be like, no, man, I'm not driving all the way to Spokane for 20 bucks. But I said, listen, we want you to do seven minutes of comedy <laughs> and we'll give you $20. <laughs> Like they're like they're like signed up, you know. They're <laughs> wow. You know? That's not that's not even gas money
1: nowadays. <laughs> I know, I know. That's
0: what it is, man. That's what it is.
1: What was either your first joke or your first like inspiration for that joke? I always remember mine. Yeah. You go. You want to hear mine? <clears throat> so mine was when uh, this is going back to 2007s so picture a guy with with a, a thinner build, um, fuller hair, and uh, could actually fit in his jeans correctly. And uh, so I was broken up with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, uh, the gym that I was going to, well, I hadn't gone to in a while, but I felt like this this was the time to go to it. <clears throat> I used the free uh, the free trainer day. And uh, she was very serious. She took me into the, the room, she's like with pad and pen and all right, so what do you want to change about yourself? And I think maybe like you, as I saw like one of your posts recently of your old uh, driver's license that you put a uh P9 on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. It was kinda, I feel like maybe it's maybe it's just that thing of A D D or touch and span or something that we have that's like all right, I need to lighten up the room. I need to do something. That's just, I can't. It's getting too serious for me. We're talking in the gym here. Of like, what you know? Like, I just broke up with my girlfriend. I don't want to talk about anything serious. So, and this is how I brought it into my comedy act of like, well, when she asked me of you know what I wanted to change about me, I said everything I see in front and everything I can't see behind me it's flapping around. So I don't want my I don't want my mother to say, "Damn, I look good in those jeans again." It's not uh, not what you want. Not what you want a first date. Eh. So that's kind of where where it started of me. Dating again, and me trying to uh, to get back out there of using using that in two thousand seven. That hits. <laughs> did it did it go well? That was part of it was part of the five. It went, it went from that into you know um, my my other one that always got a hit was uh, I tried tanning bed. It's still when they were still you know that's how old this is. If so, you know, I felt like a pressed Cuban sandwich with the meat hanging out the side. I was like you know I'm built like <laughs> Grimace and I run like the Hamburglar. That's,
0: I like that man. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, it's
1: a, with the Florida flair. I try to go with the uh, Cuban sandwich there. <laughs> what was yours?
0: Um, my first joke. I went up on stage and it's a story that I've told a lot of times to a lot of people. And uh, I basically told this story about um, this is kind of dirty, but it's not that bad. It's not like sexual. It's just it's just gnarly. Um, I uh, was making a cup of noodle. I was drunk late at night at my mom's house. And I went to, you know, I pulled the noodle out of the microwave. I get the fork. I put the fork on top of the cup of noodle. And then I, um, I'm i really tall. I'm about 6'6". Six, six, and I was wearing boxers. And anyway, the way things were sitting, um, I, I shut the tip of my penis in the silverware drawer. And uh, it hurt so bad it made me, like, pass out. Like, it was really wild. Um, I've never experienced anything like it. It was almost like when I did it, it was like it didn't even hurt my penis it like hurt everything it was like getting like electrocuted or something like that like i think there's so many like pain sensors right there like i don't really think there is more of a sensitive part of my body outside of like my penis and i really did just slam it in a drawer and uh it was terrible i passed all the way out that's when
1: you had comedy gold there huh
0: Yeah, and you know what's weird, man, is like, I went up there and I told that story, and there was actually a decent crowd at this mic, and I did pretty well, man, and, uh, was immediately hooked, like, not just, like, not just, like, a feeling like, oh, this is something I might want to try again, I was like, oh, like, I'm gonna, I was like, I'm gonna get divorced, (laughs) like, that's, that was a really, I'm not even lying, that was, like, my first thought. That's where you were. This is gonna wreck my marriage, I'm screwed, you know, so... How long ago was that? Um, Nine years, man. Been doing it nine years now. Um, Except for COVID, obviously. But like, uh, well, it's not obvious for our Florida people. I have friends of mine in the Northwest that moved to the South to do comedy during COVID. Um, Oh, they were open, yeah. Yeah, it was... um, Honestly, man, I got to say, I think I've done two to four shows a week for whole time you know
1: well
0: right now i'm probably doing three or four shows a week on average Um, that's great yeah maybe in a month you know every weekend's generally booked now uh and then probably like a weeknight every week too so i don't know man it's a lot of freaking comedy dude 12 13 shows uh, 12 13 14 shows a month sometimes more things slow down in the summer that's something i'm dealing with right now not a fan but it's something that I got to deal with so yeah cuz I just want to go 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 man that's just the way I'm built so
1: yeah no I can it can be tough to kind of reset and kind of spend time with family or create new material it's you know you're, you're going one one speed and then you have to slow down to another and kind of reassess and uh, yeah I can understand that but no that's that's awesome that you're built the career up to this point in nine years that you, are I feel like personally, I feel like you're on, you're you're on the cusp there. I feel like just hearing your stuff, people can listen to it. Yeah,
0: on stage, man. Um, I feel like my stuff stacks up against um, most of the the famous folks out there. It just takes like, but I also know, man. There's a lot of comedians that are kind of at the same level I am, and it can go either way, you know. Um, I I I keep kind of thinking like that I think I'm going to be all right just because I think that a lot of the stuff I'm doing is, is like pretty unique. Um, I think the rise of like true crime, like, um, and I also think the way we're looking at addiction is a lot different than it used to be. And I think there's a, uh, there's
1: a better lane for me than there used to be. No doubt. No doubt. I think maybe the summertime too is what you're doing. If you're doing things online and social media where people can, watch you live stream can watch you saw you uh down by the river there with your boys yeah yeah man
0: i'll probably do another one of those here in a little bit um it's tricky it's hard to do by yourself man because you know generally man what happens i go live and i just kind of sit here and tell people like where i'm booked in places but i know it is a good way to like build a following and stuff like that so yeah
1: yeah, we'll see. That, I might go later to tonight. It's going to the river and being down there—is that kind of your your happy place? If, I feel like when when I watch those videos. I was down there today, man. Um,
0: I took my friend Jess Anderson. Um, she's the co-host of our podcast. I have a podcast called yep. The Tar Report with Sam and Jess. It's pretty good. We're working on it, you know. We're kind yep. of uh,
1: listen. It's definitely some funny stuff.
0: Yeah, we're weird people. The that's weird comedy. Pod-
1: it's comedians. That's why that's why we Special and different. I would say It is a good show. Definitely definitely need to, people need to listen to the TARP report. After that, on know before one or the other. You can pick and choose if you want. A little, little more uh, therapy talk and a little less comedy or vice versa. You can pick your...
0: Maybe listen one minute to this and then one minute to that and then keep switching back and forth and then you can have ADHD like me and
1: you'll be doing a lot better. So That's why I put the music in the background. I, I, I told... Told them I was like any podcast I listen to, if it doesn't have something in the background, just in the subconscious, so to speak, I'm out. Like just my, my brain just turns off. Like, even though like I need to have it in the background, just kind of keeps that yeah. left side calm and the right side yapping away and somewhere. You know,
0: my like, wife, my wife came home today and I was working on some graphic design stuff and I made the analogy that my brain is like a cow's stomach and it has like those separate compartments and so like there's these like there's like four brains inside my head and two of them two of them are yelling one of them's asleep and one of
1: them's hiding from the other three (laughs) and that's how it feels to be me most of the time (laughs) I wish I had the picture with me I had a conversation with my wife too, just in the past few days. We were down on the beach here in, in North Carolina with our kids. And it was really nice. We got to see fireworks and blah, blah, blah. But we're right next to the boardwalk and our room was right there where all everything's going on till midnight every night. Kids slept fine. My wife's just up staring out the window. like You know, hopefully it's, and soon. Hopefully it can you know, quiet down because you have the music going and everything else, the lights. Like, this is my brain. You open it up, like, here's, here's the window of what ADD looks like. It's a it's a boardwalk circus at 1130 with people chugging the Michelob Ultra as quickly as they can forecloses. That's
0: man. I am so like ready to go all the time. Like I want to like, I'm going to Portland tomorrow. I got to like do all the, like the usual, like I got to shave and take a shower and all that kind of stuff. And then I got to load my t-shirt bag and I got to clean out my car and like that stuff is so easy for me to do because it means I'm getting ready to go, you know, and my mom, the kids and I'm going to be, I'm going to go get it. I'm getting a new tattoo tomorrow and I'm pretty, pretty pumped because it's been, I mean, on the dad annual podcast, I've been, I've just been around my kids like too
1: much lately. <laughs> What's so. the uh, what's the tattoo going to be? Or is it a surprise?
0: Um, it's going to be a seagull um, with an egg. Uh, there is a joke. All my tattoos are going to be based on like comedy stuff from this point out. Um, I have a tattoo on my arm that says, Do 30 minutes, please. <laughs> but yeah, there was a rumor going around that I was eating seagull eggs, but it's not true. I did hear um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I used to have a joke and I used to have seagull egg t-shirts that I don't, I still have some out in my garage that I should probably try to sell, but I'm just kind of sitting on them right now. But, um, that tattoo, that do 30 minutes, please. So I got a huge opportunity to do a week's worth of shows at the Laugh Factory in Chicago. And I was very excited. It really has kind of changed my A lot of these things, they change your career. Like you can, there's a noticeable difference. Maybe some of it is confidence on my part. I know there's probably more to it than that, but maybe some of it's confidence. But anyway, um, I was supposed to do 10 minutes. It was a showcase show, but another comedian didn't show up. And so they asked me to do 20 minutes at the end of the show, because this other comic didn't show up. And then while I was up there, I guess they were having some issues in the kitchen and they needed me to stretch. And so a waitress came up and held up a sign that said, do 30 minutes, please. And um, I kept the sign, which I still have. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: You, so, you, you remember those special moments, especially in comedy, I feel like you-
0: Yeah. You, like it happens, you, you know when you can feel it. The, the beauty of comedy, I think, a lot of times is that we can take um, situations which, which, might, which many might deem tragic or meaningless, and squeeze them for all they're worth. And I feel like comedy as a whole is that, like a lot of the amazing things that have happened in my career thus far are born out of chaos, you know? Like that set of events that took place so I could do 30 minutes at the Laugh Factory to close out a show, that's born out of chaos. Like that wasn't like a strategy on my point. Most of the good things in my life have it happened by complete accident <laughs> and most of the turmoil that I've caused have been my idea <laughs>
1: that's the that's the AAD brain right there that enjoys uh, in, indulging in chaos and, and, and all the rest of me I can, it's, it's apples to oranges and I'm trying to move, I can't I left right, I can't. Oh, so back here somewhere there's a poster <clears throat> from 2007 when I lived in Tampa and it was the chaos of my Roommate at the time had come back from overseas, he was in the army, and uh, and I had just broken up. It's when I'd broken up with a girlfriend at the time, and we we're both just kind of living life. And uh, he always knew I always wanted to do stand up, and he signed me up for the Tampa's Funniest, and then he signed me up for an open mic. I'm like, here you go, here's your chance. And for me to uh, go from the open mic and then competing and then making it through three rounds to the finals, there, then I asked for for the poster there with my first little headshot. Behind that's me there. awesome. I, I keep, keep it in the wall there. Yep. That's... I didn't... It did sounds like win. you were
0: one of the cats that took naturally to it. Maybe when your kids get older, man, then maybe dive back in, you know? It seems like you still love it. So.
1: Oh, it's one of those things that it's always been that coping skill. It's always how I've dealt with things. It's either music or comedy. That's how I've worked through things. That's how I go through things. That's, that's how I live life is look at it the funny way and yeah, it's... It's something of course i always always enjoy and always try to make people laugh in the house and goes over like a fart in an elevator sometimes but that's okay you you try your best i did lose out i don't it was the only first place got paid a thousand dollars it was so i don't know if i was second third or fourth was a dirty granny it was one of those grannies in florida that was just you know every prop joke every carrot top kind of thing of being a raunchy 80-year-old, she passed away a year after that, so hey, let her let her ride out in style there. I don't know, it seems kind of like a
0: waste for them to win. They're only going to get to enjoy it for a year. <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
1: yeah, not right. I, don't, I don't think that was planned, but yeah, she was like 87 at the time, so it wasn't like, it was almost yeah, that yeah. sympathy vote of like, oh look, Granny's holding a dildo. There we go. That's uh, yeah. that's, that's always worth a joke. <laughs> so, Those
0: uh, comedy competitions, man, can be really rough on people, man i've seen a lot of uh you know i always thought that it's funny a comedy competition because comedy is inherently like competitive you know i always thought like having a comedy competition is kind of like having a little knife fight in the middle of a boxing match you know like all of a sudden it's like everybody's like you know or sprinting during a marathon you know maybe that's a better analogy so
1: well even like before you know all the social media of doing this in 2007 and 2008 when i did some other competitions of that could be your break right? that was your way of if you could make it to the finals if you could be there like maybe someone might be watching maybe someone might hear about you and that was especially you know i'm sure it's changed a little bit since then but yeah there's still that probably that analogy of if i do really good at this like they could always be of the person that won uh, what was it the one the yearly one in vegas was like you know the, that they would have that uh I feel like that person would always get like a national gig, at least for a few months. And that was... uh... I've done
0: the Seattle International Comedy Competition twice. It's one of the bigger ones. And uh, last, two years ago, I got second place. Like I was right there. And uh, it was a mind-blowing experience. Like I really like, I really appreciate that. I'm glad that I did it. Um, I don't know if I could do it again, like it'd be too hard knowing, like knowing what I know now about what it's going to feel like. It might be really hard to do
1: so. I mean, seconds, fantastic ending. I think that's definitely probably giving you some more, uh, likes and subscribes and people following you in the Northwest there. Yeah. I
0: mean, uh, I've gotten, I mean, and also with that one, I think second place, I think first I think I got I think I got 5000 something like that so like you still get paid out but I mean it is like man it's a whole month of shows like here everywhere you know everywhere Do you have a comedian
1: that uh either you looked up to and always kind of, you know, thought like that's what you wanted to be or is there, and or is there a comedian that you like see nowadays? You're like, wow, that, that guy should be famous. That guy's like a great comedian. Um, You know, growing up,
0: um, I saw a lot of Carlin. Um, I saw some Pryor. Um, honestly, like the redneck comedy tour stuff, especially like Rod White. Um, I was a big fan of that. Um, but man, like, not really, dude. Like standup was never really like a huge interest of mine. When I got sober and I started going to meetings and stuff like that, people would tell me, they'd be like, hey, you should do standup. And um, that's how I, you know, that's why I decided to walk into that open mic that day is I thought that I could do it. And if people told me that I should do it, and then I started doing it. But yeah, I've become like a fan of like, I think like Norm Macdonald, Mitch Hedberg, Maria Bamford. Um, those are probably like, and you know, who I've gotten to know a little bit, which is cool. Uh, yeah. And then as far as like folks coming up, man, he's kind of already, he's already been on Joe Rogan and shit, but I think, I think Sam Talent is a unique, um is very unique and very funny, and he also wrote like a fantastic book about stand-up comedy, and it's a book that's kind of important to me. Um, I don't know if you know that or not. He wrote a book called "Running the Light" about it's fiction, but it's based in reality for sure. About a uh, about a comedian named Billy Ray Schaefer, it's like a cokehead, old headliner, still has like amazing chops, can still tear it up, but is also like. Um, in the process of like crashing and burning. Him, uh, Bo Johnson is doing really well out of the Northwest right now. He actually helped me with all my internet stuff. Um, and then your usuals like your Derek Sheens, your Monica Nevy, who I think is very underrated. She's a Northwest comic. All great.
1: All great. Yeah. Well, hopefully people be on the lookout, check out these other comedians if they're in the Northwest or if they start to uh, torn in the South or Northeast or wherever. For yeah, sure. People think
0: I'm going to be doing very well, but yeah. I do not believe them. <laughs> it doesn't seem like I, I always tell this to people, um, even though I'm like, I'm going as hard as I can. If this is as good as it gets, like that's pretty good. Like I'm able to headline a lot of places and I make enough money to keep going. And, uh, I imagine that it'll get easier so we'll see
1: i'm sure there's always new challenges and new struggles right you reach one plateau and then there's something else after that i feel like what's the the should the Buddhists
0: say about like that um freedom from want or whatever like that what is it you know what i'm talking about vaguely yeah it's like existentialism stuff it's like life is suffering basically <laughs> like that um there's always, no matter what, there's always going to be like the next thing you want, and the best thing you can do is just be in the moment, and be okay, you know.
1: Yep, and being I'm mindful, aware, being aware, being present. Yeah,
0: and I think that's what I'm able to do out at the river. Maybe that's why I'm out at the river so much as I'm trying to do that.
1: So, Look at this. We had we had an epiphany here in the session. That's. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to burst your bubble, Mike. But, but I think about that quite a lot. So
1: <laughs> when. Uh, it's about probably seven, eight years ago. So when I was, this is when I was living in Massachusetts. Uh, there's a mindfulness-based stress center. Like this is like where the mindfulness-based, as American from this guy John Kabat-Zinn, who kind of made it in the 70s, and it's the whole center. And I took the class. It was like an eight-week class, and you really learned of mindful eating and mindful walking. And the the, the past the course, kind of get your certificate at the end was you had to spend a whole day in a quiet retreat which is like absolute hell for someone like myself that just talks all day and has just nonstop and me just walking around outside doing mindful walks like every 30 minutes, like I need to talk. So I couldn't imagine when I talk about it, like, oh, next step is you can do a, a mindful, quiet weekend. I'm like, no, no, I would I think I might go crazy. But yeah, full day. It is it is fascinating if when you kind of challenge yourself, right, of finding those moments and learning how to be aware and being present and being with your family or with yourself or wherever you are of trying to do it and yeah it's it's a part of getting older too i think right of being wiser and getting better with age just like the comedy too right
0: yeah i find myself after shows sometimes without even realizing it i uh i don't put my music on i don't put a podcast on uh especially during the summer when it's nice out i'll have my windows down have my hand out the window and just kind of like you know i i can't say it's real like any type of real like meditative like practice or anything like that because generally i'm like reliving the show in my head but at, um in those moments i am uh, i am relaxed you know
1: and uh that's definitely like your mind processing <laughs> it was such a it kind of goes to that feeling of what we call like a drug right it's like that feeling of and that's that's your mind kind of processing that high as you're coming down of reliving it as it's kind of going in the memory banks there or something that's you'll remember because yeah if you I'm sure you've talked to as, I, as I've talked to a few and seen many interviews with comedians of they can remember certain shows in a second right they'll know of like oh I remember that date I remember that time because that's that's that's, that's that thing right that you're processing you're kind of remembering you- of what that feels like that
0: laugh factory show and having them hold up that sign and like realizing that like, I think it was 15 minutes in when they held up that do 30 minutes sign and I was getting ready to land the plate plate, but also realizing that I have like more than enough material to make this work. Like I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry at all. Like I could give shit, you know, they could have me do, I could have done another, I could have done another hour. You know, if they hold up a sign and it was like "do an hour, please," I would I would have loved that.
1: You know, like, that's a special trait. My little experience of very few comedians can just do that. Very few. I mean, myself included. If you know, if I had 15, 20 minutes, if told me to go another another twenty minutes, if you know, you're going to get a lot of crowd work, that's what you're going to get a lot of crowd work. That's yeah,
0: we were we were talking about epiphanies, and I actually have had those. In the stand up comedy world, where um, there's been moments, I featured for a guy named Mark Yaffe in Salem one time, and I was doing, I think I was doing 25 minutes or whatever. And uh, um, I always had like a set list, and I wouldn't pull it out, but I always had it, and I did my jokes in the same order. But I remember that day, I, like, I couldn't decide between these three separate like paths that I could take. And uh, I remember being up on stage and deciding against the path that I had planned on and realizing in that moment that I had enough material for at least 30 minutes to do whatever the hell I wanted. And now it's like the same thing, but multiply, you know, where I have enough material now where, where I can relax on stage. Because I need, I need to, because that creates, that creates my ability to find that balance in my life. Like, it's kind of a weird thing, man. If I, if I do stand up comedy, like I have to do it at a high level and I have to be good at it. Uh, because otherwise I'm not creating that other side of the coin, you know? Like that's my, that's my calling in life, I think. I don't know if what I'm saying is sense completely, but like, I can't enjoy being quiet by the river if I'm not incredibly
1: loud at the club, (laughs) you know? That makes sense. It's a different, different sides of you. Yeah. What is that? What is that other side of the coin? I'm curious of that.
0: I think it is, man, like finding ways to be calm and happy at the same time, you know, my whole life, I've always had to be so extra all the time, like, and it's not, it's not necessarily a good way to live. And it got me in a lot of trouble, you know, with drugs and stuff, man. Like. I wasn't just addicted to the substances, I was addicted to, like, the ideology, I was addicted to, like, to not caring, you know, I was addicted to chaos, you know, I was addicted to, like, um, that, like, really shallow type of excitement of, like, will I or won't I tonight, you know, like, because there was nights, man, where I would just, like, chill and smoke weed, but then there were other nights where I'd, you know, I'd I'd be up for three days, (laughs) you
1: know. It's a different feeling. Did you ever, and your kind of journey that you've made now, and I know we talked to a little bit in the past hour here of kind of the ADD part. And I'm always fascinated with it. The more I read of what you're describing is kind of like that dopamine that we, as ADD that you always need, that you're always searching for. You're always doing things that are more dangerous that you will, you know, do whatever you can maybe sometimes to get the rush or sometimes you don't need it as much it sounds very uh as we kind of learn more and understand more of you know one of those things where it comes from That add kind of gives you that you're you're more apt for doing crazier things and the the rate of substance use with people that have been diagnosed with adD is is a remarkably high number of if i recall of over 70 percent and that's you know kind of a difficulty right of uh, helped me understand too at one point if, as an adult of why i kind of searched out crazy thing to do just to just to feel a rush just to kind of right that that feeling of being on stage or that feeling of you you were you were saying earlier of needing some space away from the kids and that was that was me and i had uh i was just saying when i when i wrote the email to you i had come back from vegas so i was in vegas for four days with a friend of mine um that is a professional poker player he was actually in one of my first episodes talking about his transition from being a day-to-day cubicle worker to being a professional poker player and uh we decided to play the uh, tag team event for the World Series of Poker. And uh, yeah, when I told it to my wife, she was like, of course, that's that's you. You're the person that, you know, has done stand-up comedies, has her own therapy practice, written a children's book, tried out for Luge as a kid, you know, done all these crazy things. Of course, you want to try out for the World Series of Poker and tag team. But it was, got knocked out in the first three hours. But hey, you know, it was, <laughs> it was worth it worth the trip worth the fun of just getting away from from everybody and just kind of doing something and having that still needing that kind of like release valve right just needing that place to go that's now as you're older like you understand it but you still need that but you need to be safer and you need to you know your boundaries you know yeah you avoid.
0: yeah yeah that i still get man i mean i'm kind of just chasing that rush still and uh you know the way we talk about ADHD and the way we talk about addiction and like having been somebody who's, you know, um, was in the chemical dependency world at least. And then also working, I worked with homeless youth in Tacoma. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's really hard to find out like where trauma, like, so whenever there's like a behavior that I'm noticing in myself, I can ask myself, I'm like, what's the, what's the motivation for that? Is that like a, is that ADHD? Is that, um, is that trauma? Is that substance use? And I think usually the, the, the answer is it's, it's some combination thereof. Right. So that's exactly it. The way I present and the way I talk, the way I, um, the way I think it's like the opposite of divorced, Um, It is, it is impossible to separate myself from, I hate to do this, but like these like disorders or whatever, you know, because I feel like with what I'm asked to do, like I am asked to go up on stage and be funny and to be funny for a long period of time. And, you know, people want me to do movies and shit like that. And they want me to do like on screen stuff. And I have done it. I cannot remember lines. I do not know how to teach myself how to remember lines and I have no want. And it feels like torture to me to figure that out. However, um, I will do a joke that I haven't done in four years and do a tag, right? I'll tag that joke while I'm doing it. I won't do the joke for another four years. And then when I do the joke, I won't just remember the joke that I haven't done in four years. I'll remember the tag that I did just one time because it got a laugh. And the laughs that chemical that was released in my head when people laugh at me, especially a new
1: joke. It like cements it in my head. You know? Right. You so don't I, get that if you're doing a show, it's just you're reading lines and tough, tough to remember.
0: Yeah. But I can literally do, man, I've probably had. I've probably done an hour and then probably done another hour a couple months later. They were very, very similar, basically doing the same jokes. Like like when I was getting ready. So I, you know, I have an album coming out in October on Stand Up Records. And that album, um, I did those jokes in that order over and over again because I'm getting ready to record an album. And it got to a point, like I got bored of it, obviously, but like it got to a point where like, that's what it felt like. Like I was reading lines, but I never had an issue remembering. Like once I start the joke, I know, I know how to do, I know how to get through it and I know how to finish it, you know? So.
1: Sorry. Man, I
0: don't even understand it. I feel like we haven't talked at all about my kids, but, um,
1: that's Definitely. fine you've done enough today to me that's, that's that's not the uh the worst thing i don't know if you watch yeah uh, yeah,
0: yeah Just uh, know that i have them and that i love them you know there's this bit i used to do where like i would open i'd say you know i love my kids more than anything in the world but i regret fatherhood every single day <laughs>
1: yeah that's Before part of that balance I too of that, you know, from so. from about like yeah nine to whatever in the afternoon it's like yeah. Cursing, cursing it up, and then by not this time of night, it's like oh, I can't wait to see him in the morning. You might open a door and see him sleeping. If that's the that's the cutest you'll see him. Oh uh, yeah. T- Until t- t- they open their mouth again, and like God bless it. That's- no, my <laughs> kids are cool. They're doing good. Yeah. So yeah, mine, mine too. I did want to bring up one one thing that I do in each show. Um, what I call a lion, which we let it out now. It's kind of what we're talking about, right? We're letting out different thoughts, different feelings, different ideas that we're sharing here. And, uh so I like to one thing I do is journal a lot I write I write a lot of different thoughts or feelings and uh, kind of let them out here and I want people to, to let them out on the uh, uh, place on the website and dadal.com Facebook page um, you can share your thoughts feelings positive only right <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you've seen that too of the, the mix and nowadays um, but yeah the one the one I was just thinking about and uh, kind of tied into of just mentioned about vegas is one of my top 10 fears uh, on, on, a, on a regular basis if i have to fly is number seven is uh the extender belt that is that is a fear of larger larger individuals <clears throat> when you get in a when you get in a flight and you have to fly I'm like oh god have i gained enough <laughs> where the belt is needed <laughs> where i need to press the button to get the extender belt and uh which i didn't thankfully thankfully uh uh yeah southwest was a little snug but uh that, that is a flight, a, a South, Southwest flight from Vegas to anywhere in the Southeast. That looks like a uh, government experiment. Looks, and I'm part of it, it feels like. Um, from that to, uh, as I was saying too, of going with my kids to to the beach a couple days ago for the fourth of some of those rides of, oof, I don't think, uh, as, uh, as my three-old likes to call me Big Daddy, which, you know, if I'm not with uh, my wife around, I can be called a DCF maybe, but... Uh, <laughs> So uh, it just kind of made me think of you know that's that's the one thing that um, so every year I kind of write of goals, ideas I have for myself, things I want to work on in the beginning of each year, and I collect them all, and I've been doing it for many years. If that's the one, and it kind of ties into what we're talking about of you know as we learn, as we get older, of I feel like binge eating is part of ADD. I feel like you know eating your feelings sometimes it's just kind of a, a cathartic thing to do, and so trying to balance it with two two young kids and. Uh, and some of these moments coming up of, you know, really want to try to figure out a way of, because I think more and more you read too of, you see the Ozempic and like, I don't, I don't think I want that. that that's not, that might not be the case. And I don't, don't want the surgery that somehow was offered to me, even when I was skinnier. and it was weird. Uh, you know, just trying to figure out of how do you, you know, stay in shape, how do you balance it all for not just me, but you know, being a comedian, right? Nighttime is, is the worst. And you're just kind of thinking all night and probably eating. And then it's, it's a, it's tough to, to try to figure out that balance. That's the one, one thing that's kind of been on my mind and, uh, just wanted to let out. And, um, uh, yeah, my let it out. now t-shirt kind of goes with that too. as uh, as it's out. But, um, yeah, I didn't know if you, if you had, uh, anything that you wanted to let out or anything that's on your mind today that you haven't shared already. I feel like you've shared, shared a lot. Man,
0: you know, what's strange is that I did. I saw my therapist on the 4th of July and, uh, we're working around ideas of like forgive forgiveness for myself. Because uh, I did do a lot of drugs for 15 years and uh, spent a lot of time incarcerated, spent a lot of time homeless. And like, man, there's things that I've done that that, that I'm ashamed of still. And uh, I was thinking about this today. Is it occasionally so, right? Like, you know, when I, after a show, I'll be sitting in my car and I'll be thinking about a joke and I'll be like, oh, I should talk about this. And I'll think about something else that's happened. I'll be like, oh, yeah, what about that other time when you did this? And that, that'll that be something that I haven't thought of um, in 15 years. And like something that happened. Maybe something that I did, you know. Um, that uh, That sucks sometimes to like. To always feel like, you know, it doesn't happen as much as it used to. My first year sober was harder than my last year drinking and doing drugs because, like, I'm basically just having, like, this constant realization about, like, how how much work it's actually going to take. Like, whenever I felt like I got a hold of it, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I need to do this and this. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I'll be all right. And then right when I get some of that, right when I get going on some of that stuff, I'm like, oh, no, what about this, this, and this?
1: You yeah. Know? No, it's kind of the the ideal of it's easier to kind of run away or kind of point the finger outwards and to look within and to, to do the work and, and to do that and yeah for doing that so many years I mean to me my my little brain I feel like that would be because one, one idea would be it's still processing all the trauma you're still kind of thinking about it still kind of going through it you know? yeah and that's what I told that's what I told my therapist is
0: that like it's just a process for me man like i'm i'm not like, i'm not really trying to get anywhere like i feel like i feel like it just takes time you know and that's what i'm working on i feel like every day that i'm sober is me forgiving myself you know and that if i'm going to forgive myself that means i got to do the work you know like i don't want to do any like cuz i used to do those shallow apologies all the time you know and ask for forgiveness from people because I wanted to be able to continue to manipulate them to get what I needed, you know? And, uh, now I don't, now I don't feel like I operate like that. You know, I have moments of extreme shallowness still. <laughs> I can be very vain at times. And selfish, you know, comedy itself is like a real ego feeding operation, you know? And that's why, I, that's why I go to the river. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that does sum it all up. Go to the river, everybody. That's where you need to, uh, find yourself and you will be awakened you'll find you'll fi- probably find sam miller out there if you're in the northwest if you're in olympia washington <laughs> and uh we didn't even touch on him right i mean you might see him with uh his shirt called less dance which you can find on sammillercomedy.com
0: yeah. yeah i'll do all my plugs. so like yeah sam miller comedy on facebook Sam Miller comedian on instagram my website sammillercomedy.com um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably coming around to where you're at. I'm going all
1: over. Yeah, the there's there. Good Nights in Raleigh. It's the name of the comedy club here.
0: Oh, this yeah? Pretty good. Yeah. That's, I got people that want to see me in North Carolina. I get messages all the
1: time. See, what I wanted to do is, and this is maybe the crazy kind of brain of, like, I need something to kind of feel something kind of thing sometimes, to feel the audience, almost piece of it, is if I could take the podcast here, I think it'd be funny in a sense of bring it live right do it in a comedy club where you have people doing it you know and you have people coming up to kind of you know they can share whatever they want kind of you know have a comedy riff kind of comedy thing going off of that with with you know the dead annual piece of this too like a line things like that having it with another comedian or doing there's not enough duos out there there's not enough comedy duos what we need to bring back the old comedy duos (laughs) outside of the Sklar brothers or whatever no, oh, like, yeah, I forgot about them man. Yeah, that's yeah. I'd love to
0: be I'd love to be a part of something like that, man. Like I said, I want to come out there. So,
1: yeah, no, we' we'll, we will definitely be in touch. I won't be sending any more crazy emails unless I go to Vegas anytime soon. So that should be <laughs> ruled out for about oh, probably you know, a year or two. I, I always like to end the show too of we were talking a lot about therapy, and I think you and I appreciate a lot that you're sharing so much, and I think you're you're helping a lot of people by telling your story and I mean, I know you are just from, you know, being a therapist and working with other people in substance use before that stories like this help. That does help them. It does kind of give them like, okay, I can get through it. I can, there is a door to open to the other side if you're, if that's what you want to do, if you get to that point. And uh, I, I really thank you for sharing that, that tonight. I guess I wonder too, if, you know, during those stages or at any point before you started seeing a therapist, there's always that stigma, right? Of. I was trying to help this make the show of like, how do we can we make the stigma a little bit less about therapy? So, is there anything out there that you'd share to someone or any question that you'd ask a therapist or anything that's, you know, is like you thought was one thing about therapy, but you learned something else? It's an open question there. (laughs) I,
0: man, I think that it's kind of silly the way we look at it sometimes. I don't want, I want, I want to be the, the the backslash in my lineage, basically. I want this to be a new chapter for me and my family. Um, my kids have never seen me drunk or high, and my kids are not scared of me. You know, I took a picture, we went to a movie um, a couple weeks ago there, and uh, we took a mo- picture afterward. I set up the little timer on the camera and like, and I was like, come on guys, come on guys, we're taking a picture. And both of my kids went under my arms, like instinctively and like sat there. And uh, I would never, uh, I would never purposefully like have physical contact with my dad, even when he was touching me in like a loving way. And there was never any sexual abuse or anything like that. But, like, even when he was touching me in like a loving way, like it, it freaked me out, you know, it freaked me out. I still don't like to be touched, you know, by people I don't know very well. And, uh, yeah, my kids ain't that way. My kids ain't that way at all. And, uh, that's because I, I, uh, it's because I got help and that people, people I talked to, they took away that stigma, you know? And also there came a point where it's like, all right, so you've, you know, you're, I'm using support groups to stay away from alcohol, basically, you know, doing 12 step stuff. And, uh, that worked really well for me. And then it's like, "All right, well what then? What else do you got? Like what else like like if I'm if I'm doing all that to work on my substance use stuff and I'm still doing damage to people that love me, like that's no way to live, you know? Why would you why would you walk, you know, it's like walking like there's you know there's a great view on the other side of the hill. Why would you why would you only walk 3 quarters of the way up? You know, you're already like
1: like that's maybe it was why. a Krispy Kreme there's a donut shop you had to stop at yeah. and, uh, take, if take you're it. on the fence about
0: if you're on the fence about doing therapy I'd say don't think about it and just do it you know like that's where I'm at with it
1: you know no that's great advice yeah and I think that's a great thing for people to hear Then want to try therapy or don't know where to start yeah just do it well I want to thank you again Sam and uh I appreciate it and uh don't forget about the TARP report too. I'm happy to happy to pitch into the TARP report and have any, uh, <laughs> anything I can. Um, but yeah, I appreciate your time and appreciate you doing this. And uh, go to Sam Miller website, sammillercomedy.com and uh, hopefully he'll be in your town soon. Hopefully he'll be coming to, to Raleigh and get to see him live. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Mike. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank everyone for subscribing to Dead deadennial and on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, Spotify, and on many others. I want you to be able to go to deadennial.com D A D E N N I A L.com. Facebook, LinkedIn. I'll be trying to put up at least one weekly blog kind of idea for a lion or something that's going on this week or a post that you people put out there in Facebook. Nice post, please. On LinkedIn, things like that to, to let me know how this is helping or things that are on your mind or questions or thoughts that I can bring up on the show. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to know what your feedback is. I hope to be continuing more and more of these. I know Dad and Neil can be in your neighborhood too. So let's all work together. Let's show our support. Let's show how much we are all lions and all ones as Dad and Neil's today. Thank you.